Radio. What's going on, everybody? Wow, holy shit, Changing. jumping right into it. I know. This is an episode 200B of the Dark Windows podcast. Yes, I almost said 200A. No, I don't know. 200A was last week. Yes, I was... I was. That's uh, how the alphabet works. It, it does. I was a little bit... Um, um, I don't know what, what my words were going to be. Your brain doesn't work good. You got it. <laughs> uh, my name's Kevin. And uh, yes, you guessed it. I'm Kevin. Yes. Um, um, there are two Kevins. You're not confused. It's been fucking 200 weeks at this point in time. I'm pretty sure they figured that out by now. Well, some are probably might be new. Um, and, and if this is gonna... your first episode, go back to at least last week, or else none of this is going to make any goddamn sense. Okay? And, and don't judge me based on you know this week or this beginning because you know, I mean, that's just how I am. He doesn't all the time. usually bring this much energy to the show. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so you go fuck yourself. So anyway, we ended off last week with the um, the UN not having such a good time in Somalia, trying to stop some of the warlords that are using food as a weapon against their own people, which is a pretty gross thing to do. Yeah. Um, we left off on the afternoon of October 3rd, 1993, which I know sounds like a weird thing to leave off like in the middle of the day like that, but we had to. <laughs> so... This is the launch of what would become of what the U.S. government was calling Operation Gothic Serpent. That was mm-hmm. the mission name. Yeah. Um, Major General William Morris. Oh, I'm sorry, William Morris. He's a cigarette man. No shit. Uh, William Garrison, <laughs> uh-huh. um, who is the overall commander of U.S. forces for these operations. He was doing something that he had never done before, which was kind of. The, some of the guys afterwards would say it was a little unsettling because he had never done it before. Mm-hmm. He walked, uh, he was down on the tarmac with everybody, which was not, un, not, not unusual. He would go see them off. It's not unusual. To be <laughs> what was unusual <laughs> was when he's walking up and down the rows of Humvees and helicopters to check on his guys. Um, mostly being the Rangers of Bravo Company, 3rd Battalion of the 75th Ranger Element, um, and a contingent of Delta Force personnel. And, um, I think I kind of get why he's doing this. Yeah. I, I mean, after kind of like, you know, really stopping to think about it more, you know, and actually then started listening to it and, you know, now, now knowing everything about, you know, you know everything, it's kind of, uh, kind of ironic, you know, that, that, uh, way they did kind of, no, not ironic, not so much ironic, but but well, by he him coming out, you know, there's a little bit of like he was expecting something, foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. The um, you know because they don't usually I mean, do missions during the fucking day. No, no. This that was what was weird about this was these guys are usually working at night, especially Delta, um, and this is the middle of fucking day. Um, but he went from. Humvee to Humvee, 
helicopter to helicopter. He's talking to his Rangers. He's talking to his Delta. Haas um, to Haas. <laughs> talking to a small group of guys, like three to four men from SEAL Team 6. Can't get a, a direct number because the SEALs don't talk about that shit because it wasn't killing Osama bin Laden, so they keep this part secret. Um, well, it's probably just because it's uh, it's still not... They're, that mission's not kind of declassified. Yeah. And there was also a handful of uh, um, Air Force PJs, which are their uh, like dick-kicking, badass, death-from-above medics, which doesn't make a whole bunch of sense, but PJs are bad motherfuckers. Um, yeah. I, I know I have picked on the Air Force in the past. We've referred to them as the Chair Force more than once. Yes. But uh, we do have a listener that's Air Force, and he <clears throat> messaged me and said, hey, next time you guys want to do a badass, since you've never done an airman, Here's a guy, and I went, okay, you got it. So, Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. so he basically guilt-tripped. He's also a Vermonter, so he gets okay, you know, preferential treatment in my book. All right. <clears throat> um, but he went from vehicle to vehicle, and he would alternate saying good luck and stay safe to each vehicle. Uh-huh. Um, so this was the first time for that. This is also the first time that the little, uh, little bird helicopters that were flying mission, um, most of them are usually just armed with miniguns, uh, forward-facing miniguns. And there was a couple of them this time that were actually outfitted with rocket pods, and this was a first. And it's going to be helpful because... Well, it was a push for it. <laughs> yes, there, there had been a, a bunch of push, for, uh, especially from the pilots that are like, listen, we're flying these ba- these helicopters. We're already badass. The helicopters are ba- badass. Why can't we make them more badass? Give me fucking rockets, dude. I, th- I think it was also because you, know, you needed some kind of like either backup. I think because you know these are they're not you know like the Blackhawks. Yeah, the, the little they're, birds are not well armored. Yeah, they're they're like you know, hey, we need to. But they don't if, need if to we be- can if we can you know shoot these rockets at them, we can at least you know do something, and then because you know the cannons not doing anything, we get the hell out. Yeah, but you know. but the little birds are really nimble, so you can get into weird spaces with them and get rockets where you need to. Yeah. So if you if you can't get direct fire onto a building because there's an obstruction there, you're not going to send a giant black hawk in that can't really maneuver around. You're going to send a little bird in, where we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what they're capable of here as we get going through this part of the episode. So these guys that are about to go in here are some of the baddest sons of bitches that the U.S. military has to offer. Um, missions about to take place in broad daylight, which they're not usually doing, like yeah. we said before, um, especially the Delta boys, because they are very much nocturnal. Um, they're the raccoons of special forces. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the, and the, <laughs> live fast, eat trash, you know, you know, and the, and the, and the quote from, uh, Danny McKnight from the, from the, like the, the movie, you know, oh, you know, it gets asked, you know, what's wrong, Danny? He's like. Nothing. I mean, you know, what's 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 the what's or nothing or like said nothing to be worried about. He's like, yeah, nothing to be worried about. Yeah, yeah. You know, going out in you know, daylight instead of dark. Going in, uh, the, you know, and the they're busiest they, part of the city. Yeah, busiest part of the city. They're all fucked up on cot. You know, hey, what's not what's the not love? To, what's not to love? <laughs> I mean, you know. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure if Tom Sizemore could have gotten a hold of cot, he would have tried it because that dude's done every fucking drug that's ever existed. Um, but. Really, that also means... fantastic in Heat, by the way. Yes, if you haven't seen that movie, watch Heat, and then listen to our North Hollywood episodes. Yeah. You're welcome. 
You'll fucking love it. I was super excited that I got to watch that as a as a resource, as I was with Black Hawk Down, where not so much for accuracy, but more just to, you know, really get in the mood. Yeah, you know? it's, I mean, but it's like, you know, it's kind of, uh, not that he probably actually said any of that. But he it's probably more... did. He seems like the kind of dude that would have been a smartass about stuff like that. Yeah. So after days of planning and strategizing, the higher-ups decide that this particular mission should take about an hour. So that prompted many of the rangers to forego a lot of things that they would come to regret, like uh, extra ammunition, night vision, water. Uh, in some cases, uh, your back plates for your armor. Uh, cause a lot of guys were like, fuck that. I'm going to, I want to be able to move faster. So I'm only going to load the front, Stupid. which, yeah. I mean, how much does an extra plate weigh? If they're ceramic plates, you're looking like another 20 pounds. Yeah. I would rather have that and not get shot in the spine and be paralyzed or dead. Mm-hmm. Um, very true. Cause that would be a, a handy thing to not be able to being able to walk is pretty cool. And I would like to be able to do that. True. Um, so intelligence came in that a couple of IDs, uh, top guys were attending a meeting at a three-story building. Diagonal. It was diagonal and a couple buildings up across Hollywood Road from the uh, um, the tallest building in the city, which is actually the Olympic Hotel. Uh, the Target building now, which I I had to uh, I had to share with Kevin and our. Uh, our secret resource that's been helping us with some uh, research. Because, of course, I have to Google map all this shit. And I'm like, I wonder what that is now. So I'm like, Olympic Hotel, Google Maps. And I'm like, okay, look at it, the map that I've printed off. And I'm looking at that. And I've got them side by side. And I'm like, that's a fucking electronics store now. It's <laughs> a giant, like, electronics manufacturer now. Hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a couple of them right in that area where they're just different electronics manufacturers and stores and stuff like that, uh, which is weird because most of Somalia doesn't have fucking internet access. But, you know, we got computers and shit. Yeah. Don't need internet to play Minesweeper. No. So there's an, there was an informant on the ground that is supposed to park his vehicle directly in front of the target building because he's the guy that knows where this is happening. Once he gets parked, he's supposed to get out and pop the hood, which would signal that this is the correct building. This ends up taking a couple of tries, just like it did in the movie, because the informant is scared shitless of being seen. Because it's a, it's a, as much as it's a big city, it's a small neighborhood. So he has, he knows these people that he's informing on. Yeah. So if they see him in front of the building, fucking around with his car, and then you know five minutes later, there's Americans in here fucking shit up. If one of these guys survives, they're going to find him and feed him his own dick. Yeah, because he, you know, <laughs> like in the movie, you know, he, he's like, are you sure this is it? Don't turn you that know? radio down. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, are you sure this is the one? Oh, well, no, it's not. You know, and it happens, and he drives around the fucking block. He's afraid they're going to shoot him. I'll fucking shoot him myself <laughs> if he doesn't get to the right building. <laughs> um, so he eventually does park directly in front of the building. Um, the overhead surveillance bird sees his vehicle that has been marked with a, I shit you not, large fluorescent X across the roof so that they could see it. Um, he gets out, pops the hood, surveillance bird gives the word back to HQ. It's time to roll. They give code word Irene. 
And he fucks off. And he fucking boogies. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> so the name Irene is screamed across the compound here. And the UH-60 Blackhawks carrying the Rangers and the nimble little MH-6 Little Birds take off carrying the Delta. Um, and a column of nine Humvees leaves the compound and waits a little bit before they take off. Uh, among that co- that. Uh, that column, you have the nine Humvees and three uh, two-and-a-half-ton trucks to load people in because they don't know exactly how many guys they're picking up. Yeah. But they also know that we have to pick up all of these Rangers, too. But we don't know how many um, hostels we're taking in. Yeah. So we got we to gotta send the big trucks in, which, considering how tight these streets are, must have been a bitch to get those things moving around in there because a deuce-and-a-half is not a small truck. No, no, not it's really. It's a fucking three-axle truck with, you know, it's a, it's essentially a, uh, like a 30-foot-long box truck. I mean, it's, it's, it takes a little, probably a little bit of finagling oh, to for get sure. it around. You know? For sure. I mean, but, now, meanwhile, back at the compound, there's this other little unit called the 10th Mountain Division. They actually have no clue. They're not being... They will come into play later on. Yes. But at this point in time, they aren't playing in the same sandbox as these guys. They have no clue. They're left in the fucking dark. These dudes are you know, hanging out. You know, they, they don't in Scrabble. They don't know. They don't know anything that's actually going on no. with uh, with these guys. Because, because they're not th- technically special forces. They're just regular army for the most part. But fucking 10th Mountain Division. They are, they they wear that fucking. They're thing. badass. They we'll, wear we'll they wear this that. they wear this little thing on their you know on their uh, on their uniform. It's uh called the Ram's Head. Yeah. Um, I'm not taking anything <laughs> away from them. They're bad sons of bitches, but they're not. They're in a need to know basis, and at this point in time, they don't need to know. And probably some of these Rangers eventually probably would go to uh or the Delta would go to the, their school or they came from Mountain. Mm-hmm. Drew. Because Delta doesn't like, you know, I want to just go be regular infantry because they fucking did not like the Rangers. Like, they're a bunch of punk fucking kids that want to be us. We we see them while we're out here training. They're out here rubbernecking, not paying attention to what they're supposed to be doing, watching the grown-ups play. And that's what they, because that's what the Rangers are like. Wow, man, that'd be really cool to be one of those guys. And the 10th Mountain guys. I want guys. that black hockey helmet. That's really cool. And the 10th Mountain guys are like, yeah, yeah, but fucking changing oil and just playing like, basketball and shit. They're like, uh, yeah, but we can go sleep in a fucking hammock in the yeah. in a, in you know in in the middle of the fucking uh in the in the middle of the woods um when it's below zero yeah. hanging off a fucking cliff. Can you do that, Delta? I no. actually know a guy <laughs> that was uh, tenth mountain. Um, I, you've probably met him too, the guy that runs the rock climbing center in Rutland. Yeah. And as so it's funny, we were in there for school because I went for architectural engineering, which was the the technical school was almost directly across the road from there. So our big project was we went in and we mapped out the entire facility, hand grip for hand grip. We were over there for, you know, uh, two days a week for most of the most of the time I was there. And he's explaining to us, you know, like, yeah, so I did this. I did that. I was 10th Mountain. I did a bunch of stuff in the military. And as he's explaining that, he goes, 
Check this out. He just climbs up the back wall behind the counter, unclips himself, climbs up to the ceiling, and is going across the ceiling. And you look over, and he had a sleeping bag in the middle of the in the middle of the thing, just hanging from the ceiling. He climbed like seventy five feet across the ceiling without using his his legs, free hanging there. Climbed into a sleeping bag and was like, "This is pretty cool," and then fucking belayed himself down to the ground. Like, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, no wonder you run a rock climbing center, you goat. <laughs> yeah, that's why they have that ram's head, is because they're like the goats. So. Yeah, they're, they are crazy. <laughs> you know, I mean, and a lot of these guys, eventually, you know, they have to be selected, you know, because it's, you know, rangers, seal, you know, they, they have it's to be. It's an elite thing. It's yeah, just, it's, it's a different, different it, usefulness. It, 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 puts, it puts that another notch on your belt. These are the dudes that were that were super useful in Afghanistan at the very beginning, fighting in the mountains. Yeah, because you're like, oh, you guys want to go back to camp? No, we're gonna camp here. Fuck you. Yeah. But Tenth Mountain no longer out of out of Fort Drum no longer exists. No, they've moved somewhere else or something. Um, I mean, there are there is like stuff from Vermont now. Yep. We have we've carried on that. Did you know there's National Guard Special Forces too? I had no idea. So. Yeah. Yeah, they tr- they tr- you know they train up in Underhill, you know that. Yeah. We train like some of the Underhill Jericho, yeah. We, I've been there. We tra- <laughs> I have as well. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know. Well, di- different reasoning though. Um I was there for work. Well, I've been there just because, you know. <laughs> Military brat can go there. <laughs> no, I was there spraying spraying mosquitoes with another dude that was actively smoking weed on a military base and spraying for mosquitoes as well. So you know, I was like, don't get caught because they will arrest both of us because you're a retard. It's funny when you're there and all, you're just hearing, you know, simunition, that, which sounds like regular ammo going yeah. off. You just hear it in the woods. Bop, 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 you know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, they're having warfare. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. No, they're not. They're having fun. They're, they're, they're play shooting at each other in the woods. Yeah. So Which sounds like a hoot. So 10th Mountain's not here. Uh Keep in mind when Kevin said about the 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 deuce and halves because well next week I will be talking about them yeah and we're gonna kind of talk about you know how they one were of the, used. one of the lesser mentioned aspects of the entire mission was what the tenth mountain guys did yeah um, but we'll get back to it here though so the column leaves base and they hang out you know a little like about a mile away from there just kind of waiting. Because they are supposed to get there as Delta is coming out with the targets. They're going to load them. So the goal here was get there just as they're coming out, load these guys up, load all of our boys up, and get the fuck out of here. We're talking 45 minutes round trip to get this done. Yeah. Um, and it's a, So it's a three-mile trip from Task Force Ranger, which is at the Mogadishu Airport, into... Uh, Bakara Market, which is where we're going to spend most of the rest of our time here. The Wild West. Holy fuck, dude. The the Wild East African West, yeah. Um, So I, I did have to, because you guys know how I am, I find cool tech stuff and I have to like fucking nerd out about it. And the one I kind of focused in on this time was the Black Hawk helicopters themselves. Mm-hmm. This thing is a beast. It's, uh, it's 64 feet long, weighs about 68,000 pounds. Um, can reach air speeds of 175 miles an hour. Uh, that's while carrying tw- uh, up to 14 passengers plus crew. 
So you're talking about 23, 24 men in this thing, and it's still at top speed, 175 miles an hour. Um, they can also withstand direct hits from a gun up to 23 millimeter, which is a, a big round. That's anti-aircraft rounds. Yeah. Um, and that is due to the design of the helicopter itself. There's not a lot of flat spots. So when things hit it, if it's not a direct hit, a lot of the time they'll ricochet off. Yeah. Um, like you, you could, you could fire a flat cannon at this thing. And if you're not hitting it directly on it, good chance is going to bounce and just kind of skate off and it'll hurt, but it's not going to kill mm-hmm. anybody. You know what I mean? And one of the coolest things about these is that they can be semi disassembled. So you can take the tail rotor off, store it in the helicopter, fold your main rotor blades in and push it on a pallet kind of thing up into the back of a C-130 to transport them. Because believe it or not, you can't fly a helicopter from the United States to Africa. You can't? You can't. They don't have that kind of range. I mean, you could fly it onto an aircraft carrier and then fly the aircraft carrier to Africa and then fly them in from there. But you're going to have to refuel when you hit the ground. So Okay. It logistically doesn't make any fucking sense. All right. All right. So the choppers are, are going to fly a fairly direct route into the city and drop the goons off at the target building. Uh, and the Humvees would end up coming up through the K4 traffic circle, which is a giant, giant roundabout. Yeah. Um, they'd, hang, uh, they'd hang a left onto Via uh, Agfoya. And then a left onto Hallwood Dig Road, and they would be at the target building right there, because that's where their target building is, is on Hallwood Dig. Yep. So, um, and basically what they were going to do is they were going to get into town and kind of hang back a little bit. And then once they got the call, they'd come down Hallwood Dig and pick everybody up. But they didn't want to get there, sit there, and have everybody come out and be like, what the fuck is this? Why yeah. are you double parked? And then all of a sudden there's been falling from the sky with M16s, which wouldn't have worked well. Um, so obviously don't want to give away the whole thing. But at the same time, the Somalis are using low-frequency radios that can't be jammed by the CIA. The CIA. If they were using sat phones or fucking anything else, basically, the CIA could have jammed it, which they tried to. But since these guys are using walkie-talkies, you can't jam those because it's such a low frequency and uh-huh. you can change channels. So that's how these guys are communicating. So even if you're in the city, mm. if you're parked somewhere, somebody's going to see it and radio ahead. Yes. Which is why they didn't want to get directly into the city until they knew the guys were on the ground. But there's this big telltale sign when, you know, these little fucking things in the sky... You know, that are flying around. Yeah. Kind of fucking come. Yeah, they were used to a little bit of that. Oh, but, yeah. They, they but not very... in such a uh, uh, a big force. Right. Well, according to the to what uh, Mark Bowden was writing, wrote in the book Black Hawk Down, the Blackhawks leading up to this had been, had been um, running, like, false missions, kind of, at full, at this full complement of aircraft. Minus the little birds, we we replaced the little birds with other Blackhawks, and they would just fly into the city. They mm-hmm. kind of float around and shit, and then come back, just to get people used to the idea of seeing so many helicopters coming in. So that today, when they come in, no big deal. They're just doing their shit. I just wonder why they didn't have uh, like Apaches. You know, they 
Because the Apaches are not a transport helicopter. Yeah, but they didn't need them. That's an attack helicopter. Yeah, but they had to have the Blackhawks to. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying instead of the little birds, why not use because the, the little birds are more maneuverable still. Yeah, but the attack. I mean, the Apaches can take a little bit more. You know, they can. There's, there's, they got that fucking big ass Vulcan on the fucking front, and it goes. You just sit there and fucking. Poof. But when you, you got to think about it like this, though, they weren't going in here to fucking level the city. They were going in to pick up like ten dudes at, at the most and or get maybe, the hell out. Well, maybe they should have. They wanted to go in and not fire a single shot if they didn't have to. Get these guys in boogie. Well, what? The, well, <laughs> how well not that one's gonna work? Not though. so much how it turned out. Yeah. So at three forty-five p.m., the Blackhawks, full of Rangers, converge on the target building. Chalk one, which is the essentially like the first squad. Um, Chalk is twelve to sixteen guys, depending on whatever. Um, they're being led by Lieutenant Larry Perino and Captain Mike Steele, who is the uh, Ranger ground commander for this mission. Um, they fast rope into uh, into the southeast corner of the building and take up their overwatch position on the corner of uh, National Street. Um, <laughs> one of the funny things was that I, I remember from the book was that as they were coming in, uh, Captain Steele grabbed the guy that was supposed to be coming off the, the rope in front of him, who was uh, uh, son of a bitch. I can't remember his name. Um, the, the, he was basically the uh, he was a uh, a typist. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah. he wasn't even supposed to really be there. He got brought in as a replacement. If you've seen the movie, he was Grimesy. Yeah, you and McGregor. It was Obi Wan Kenobi's character. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he um, was. He and he wa- Grimesy wasn't on actually on the same uh, hel- uh, uh, helicopter as uh, as um, Blackburn. Blackburn. No. Yeah, he wasn't on the same helicopter. Different helicopter. So he he was actually on with Captain Steele, and he wasn't a real big dude. He was like five eight, like a hundred and ninety pounds. And Captain Steele was a big son of a bitch. He was an offensive lineman at fucking Georgia State where they won a... When he was in college, they won a fucking national championship. Yeah. He told him, <laughs> like, words to the effect of, as soon as you get off the rope, get the fuck out of the way because I'm coming down behind you and I will kill you if I land on you. Yeah. <laughs> so he hits the ground and just fucking whoop, skates off and gets the fuck out of the way because he doesn't want a refrigerator landing on but top the, of him. But the part with uh, the guy yelling, you know, you know, when he says, uh, hey, Grimesy, no fear. The guy's yeah. like, yeah, right. Yeah, you fuck know? you. I'm, you're yeah. not the one going in. Yeah, well, the guy was actually yelling that. Yeah. You know, don't, no fear, no fear. Of course, fear. this is back in the 90s where everybody had a fucking no fear sticker on everything. Yeah, it's like, no fear. You know, I was like, yeah, uh, you're fucking up here. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, potentially not for long. Um, so they take up their corner on uh, the corner of National Street. Chalk 2, who is uh, being led by First Lieutenant Tom DiTomaso, uh, land off the ropes at the northeast corner of the compound on National Street. So they are on the same side of the building, opposite ends. Yep. Uh, Chalk 3, under uh, Sergeant First Class Sean Watson, uh, fast rope into the southwest corner of the building in Hollowdig. Uh, and Chalk 4, they didn't land where they're supposed to. Um, in the movie, everybody lands right where they're supposed to. It's perfect. Everything's going well. Um, doesn't happen that way because when the Black Hawk that's coming in with Chalk 4 on it goes to land, as they're coming down in, the pilot sees that there's already a little bird there dropping Delta. Mm-hmm. So they were supposed to have dropped them a couple hundred feet down the road so that Chalk 4 can land at the corner, rope down in, and be in position, and then the Delta guys come in and do their thing. 
Um, but with this being there, Chalk Four ends up having ending. Yeah, they end up getting dropped off about a block north of their position, so they have to get back to where they need to be. And keep in mind, as soon as these helicopters are coming into the city, dudes are coming out of their houses with AKs ready to fight. So they have to fight a fucking block, block and a half back to position and then defend that position. So they're not in for a good time. Um, and Chalk 4 was actually headed up by uh, Sergeant Matt Eversman, um, who, again, if you watch the movie, is uh, Jesus Christ. No, he's not Jesus Christ. No. No, definitely not. Uh, Josh Hartnett, yeah. his character. <laughs> I had to think, I was like, Black Hawk Down, 30 Days a Night, Josh Hartnett. Yes. <laughs> two and two together. Yeah. Uh, if I needed a third one, it would have been H2O. Yes. The Halloween movie. Yes. But I didn't need that one, thank God, because nobody needed that movie. And then if I had, you know, fourth one, I could go, I could, you know, there's another te- there's a teacher movie, you know. He was also uh, in uh, Penny Dreadful, which is actually really good. Never seen it. Oh, dude, it's a series. It's really good. Yeah. Had I liked him, him in 30 Days a Night, uh, though. Uh, Rose from Doctor Who was in it as well. Oh. She played a hooker. Nice. Uh, prostitute, sorry. Wait, so, this is this is the new Penny Dreadful? Yeah, the one that took place oh. in like England, yeah. Yeah, good. I've never seen it. Um, anyway. So, the Blackhawk that was carrying Chalk 4 uh, then had to circuit, like again, again, they circuited up there. Um, the first man off of this bird with Eversman's crew is 18-year-old Todd Blackburn, who was just pretty much regular army because he had not he'd been selected for ranger school but had not attended ranger school yet um and for this mission because he was so young he was like right out of fucking high school um he brought he'd been brought in for a replacement for somebody as a replacement for someone who had been hurt during a training exercise um so he was assigned as the uh, as chalk fours m60 gunner assistant so he's weighed down with a bunch of ammunition like, a lot of ammunition. Like, fucking belts and boxes, and he's got a shitload of it. It's hard to say exactly what happens next. Um, if he lost his grip, if he missed the rope, if he caught his foot on the way out. It's hard to say. All we know is he plummets 70 feet to the ground below. Completely misses the rope. Bam. Flat on his back. Um, yeah. So Sergeant Eversman, who is the second person out of the helicopter, um, he didn't see him fall because he was trying to get his shit together. He was so he'd had a big communication headset on so he could talk back and forth with the pilots. He's trying to get his goggles down off of his helmet. And the fucking strap breaks. So he just chucks those aside. And as soon as Blackburn goes out, he's like, oh, shit, it's my turn. So he grabs the rope and just goes down through completely forgets to take the, <laughs> the, the headset off and takes him with him, rips him right out of the fucking helicopter. Um he hits the ground and takes like two steps and sees that Blackburn's already down. And he's like, fuck, we already got a man down. He's been shot. So he goes over. He starts checking for vitals. Um, notices he's bleeding from the ears, nose and mouth. Yeah. Which like this kid's fucked up. Um, as he's checking for checking for a pulse on his neck, he feels a giant bulge in the back. So he's like, it's like he fell. He didn't get shot. He fell. And like he, broke his fucking neck we're thinking you know um so the first two the first two little birds then land um and they the little birds could actually land because of how small they are yeah um and the little birds are carrying six delta guys a piece 
Um, and these fucking dudes come in just sitting on the, you know, sitting there with their fucking feet hanging out like a bunch of psychos. They hit, they're on the ground, the birds are gone. Um, That's where they train. Yeah, so they deliver the D-Boys to the south side of the building where the second two landed on the west, uh, west side. Um, and this, the one on the west side of the building is actually the one that took up the spot where Chalk 4 is supposed to be. So Delta kicks the doors in. They start throwing in flashbangs. Um, hand-to-hand combat with some of these people to get them the fuck out of the way. Uh, rifle button people and zip, you know, zip cuffing them, leaving them on the ground. Uh, and these aren't even the guys they're there for. These are just people that are in the building. Uh, so they're like, oh, you're here? Fuck you. And just slap them in the mouth. Um, so Everman, Ever, yeah, Eversman's trying to get Blackburn to safety. Um, which is not easy to do with someone who's a potential neck injury. Um, he gets a hold of Private First Class Jason Moore, who was in his chalk, who's actually the radio man, um, trying to get contact with Captain Steele. He can't raise him on the radio because Moore had this idea where instead of having to pull his radio off and talk to people, he just rigged up a wire so that he could have a button on his rifle so they could, he could hit the button and talk. And it was basically just a remote for it. So when he came out of the bird, he was already, he had his rifle ready. And when he grabbed the rope, he pinched the cable for his radio between his hands and the giant nylon rope that they slide down on and actually melted the wire because of the friction. Mm. So their radio has gone. So Eversman's just fucking getting on his radio and he's like, I need help. I, we have a man down. I need assistance. We need a medic. Blah 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 blah. And wasn't it Perino that responded? Yeah. He's like, you know, like come. Like Perino's like, what the hell are you talking about? Calm down. And yeah. Eversman gets pissed because he's like, like don't fucking tell me to calm down. I've got a guy hurt. I need help. You but know, I think they, it's also because his his frustration wasn't so much about the. He was getting frustrated because he didn't think he was being. Um, taken serious, taken serious, yeah. but it was also, but on his the other end, it was because he couldn't, you know, hear him. Yeah, because of you know the the communication right wasn't great. So while these two are going back and forth, so Delta has access to the Delta Channel and the Ranger Channel. They can hear everybody. So two of the the two Delta medics hear this and they're like, "We're right here." Well, you know. So they come running up with a portable litter, which is just a, a foldable um, uh, stretcher. Yeah. Um, so the two Delta guys and three guys from Chalk 4 take off to bring Blackburn back to the convoy because the, he can't wait. He needs to be taken out immediately. Um, which is which is uh, a little ways away yeah. from it, it, where they are. A couple blocks up at this point. Yeah, they have to, they have to you know, get there. Well, being this, shot at. At this point, they're being shot at. So, like, as they're, like, it, well, it's not right here, but a little bit later in the story, like, as they are running up to the convoy, they have to keep setting him down and returning fire. So, the only dude that can't accurately return fire is the one Delta medic that's holding the IV bag and shooting with one arm yeah. with, with, his, with his car 15. Um, and they told some stories about that guy. They're just like, hey, he wouldn't set the IV bag down, and he just kept fucking shooting people. And he was hitting everything he was aiming at. It's like, he's not a, he's not a fucking hick from in the woods. He's a 
professional murderer for the government. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> this guy could kill these fucking people from a mile away with his eyes closed. What he technically was he a murderer for hire, or was he just no? Know? He was on retainer. Ah, <laughs> yes, okay. So another running theme that we're going to deal with through the rest of this series is the fact that unlike most places where you have shit like this happening where civilians are going to do their best to get the hell out of the way. Somalia, they tended to run towards a firefight to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the guys, I can't remember who it was, if it was Sean Nelson, it was in the documentary I was watching. He said they had this, this thought that they had to be there to witness what was happening, which he didn't like because these non-combatants are not men. They're women and kids. And when you're in a situation like this, Sometimes you can't be super picky with what you're shooting at. Um, yeah. And he's one of the guys that during the interview is just kind of like, yeah, I did some stuff there that I think about every day still. And that was that documentary I watched was from 1997, which is three uh, four years after this happened. And uh, I guarantee you now he probably still does. Because uh, a lot of the times, like if there was if there were groups of kids They'd shoot around them, like near them to try to scare them off. But when it, it, it gets to be a lot of that situation, like with police where, you know, somebody shows up and they whip a BB gun out and they fucking blow them away right there. You got people running around that are shooting at you and you have this kid that picks up a stick that's approximately the size of a rifle You've got dust flying around everywhere. There's people shooting at you. You see what could be thought of as a rifle. Yeah. And you mag dump a child, which occasionally, unfortunately, happened here a few times. Uh, There is an, yeah, uh, where they have to kill a woman. Yeah. But had a child. Yeah. Uh, One more than one instance where they had to, they had to kill a child that was shooting at them. Because they didn't see who's shooting at them. All they know is that they see gunfire. They see, you know, flash coming from a corner. And then the person steps out and starts firing again. And they shoot, thinking that it's someone that's kneeled, that's leaned out. And they've killed a child. Uh, not something I'm, I guarantee you. I've never met any of these guys. But I would bet my fucking life on it. None of these guys are proud of having to have killed a child. Probably not, yeah. but at the same time, I bet they're... It's you or them. Yeah, I yeah. bet they're, you know... I bet they're kind of... They're not sleeping bad at night, let's put it that way. Right, but they're also not... I mean, they just have they have that in their, their back of their brains, but I'm... You know, they're... It's more like, hey, you know, they were shooting at me. Exactly. I, ha- I had to protect myself. Right. That's what I'm you saying. Know. It's who's going home that night. Yeah. Um, so the Rangers of Chalk 4 are providing cover fire for Blackburn as he's being carried down to the convoy. Um, so two of the Rangers from Chalk 4, uh, start receiving some pretty hefty fire from an unseen location. Um, those are Aaron Williamson and Mike Goodale. Um, so (laughs) this was the weird part was from the book, Aaron, uh, uh, Williamson said that as they were taking fire, he looked over at Goodale and he could see rounds hitting like around him one hit just above his rifle. And the next one hit him and took the tip of his fucking finger off. 
So when you have seven six two versus a finger, who wins? Definitely that finger, right? The ballistics of a seven six two are oh. greater than that of the tip of a finger. Ah, uh, okay. So he oh. lost the tip of his finger. I don't know if they ever found it, to be honest with you. Probably not. No. Um, uh, this did nothing but frustrate Mr. Williamson, uh, who basically switched fingers into the finger guard, uh, started returning fire, and ki- uh, killed a handful of Somalis that were firing at them, including the man that had blown his finger off. Uh, one of the worst far- parts about this fight is how the Somalis tended to fight. Um, the men would often follow groups of women, um, and they would, I'm not even kidding, they would tuck a rifle under their arm and shoot. They'd fire from between a woman's legs. They would use these women as human fucking shields. Yeah. Um, they did the same thing with kids. Um, it's kind of a coward way of it's, it's, fighting. It's a bitch way to fight. That's not, if you want to, if you want to fight the biggest yeah. military in the world, not necessarily the biggest, but the best trained military in the world, don't hide behind women to do it. No. Don't hide behind non-combatants to do it. The Viet Cong didn't do that shit. They fought us like real men. Yeah. With booby traps and, tra- yeah. you know. But whatever. They weren't fucking That's hiding war. behind kids. Exactly. Uh, so this would, again, this would result in the Rangers, unfortunately, having to fire into crowds of people. Uh, you'd have to, Sometimes they would have to kill the women to hit the men as well. Yeah. Um, and again, sometimes even children, which I can't, I can't fucking imagine. Um now, the, the next scene that happens here is something that you definitely didn't see in the movie. Because this is probably the most surreal thing that some of these guys have ever seen. Um, Chalk 2's M60 gunner, Sean Nelson, is, is laying down prone behind a vehicle uh, with his M60, which is a beast of a rifle. Uh, fully automatic 308. You're firing seven to 800 rounds a minute. Uh, and it's a 308, so it's a substantial round. You're not shooting these guys with fucking BBs. <laughs> uh, he sees a crowd of eight to 10 men come around the building. Uh, some armed, some not. And uh, among them, <laughs> among them is the only man in Somalia that had unlocked the option for a mount. He rode into combat with a dirty old AK, no shirt, brown pants, sandals on a fucking cow. Not like a Holstein, not a fucking Jersey, like those weird cows they have in Africa with that big ass hump, like in the middle of their back. Yeah, he rode into he rode into war on a cow. So the Mogadishu cowboy shows up, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, Sean Nelson says, "quote I didn't know whether to laugh at him or shoot at him." Um, <laughs> so the choice was made for him, and the other Rangers opened up, and uh, Nelson joins the party with his big old belt fed. Um, even stranger still is that all of the men were killed except the cow. So they killed all of these guys on the ground. They killed the, the guy on the cow. Never hit the cow once. Well, that's good. It is good. Until <laughs> a Black Hawk making a strafing run with, a, <laughs> with a, one of the side-mounted miniguns comes in and hits the crowd, um, including the cow. With oh. a... <laughs> So the minigun fires, a, again, it's a 7.62 by 5.1, which is a NATO 308 round at approximately 3,500 rounds a minute. So when they hit the cow, it fucking exploded. Yeah. Blood and bones and shit flying everywhere. Um, and apparently the guys just like 
<laughs> and just stood there and watched it as it rained fucking beef McNuggets from the sky. Uh, fun fact, the M134 minigun mounted on both sides of the Blackhawks were designed and built by General Electric. <laughs> because they're not a gas blowback weapon. They're not a piston-fired weapon. They're fucking electric. You have to plug these motherfuckers in to a power source to run them. So you have the power source that actually spins the barrel. Yeah. And you have your buttons that are also electric. Yeah. Fire. Because before they used to have uh, 60s in a, yeah. in, a, in a helicopter and they'd fucking fire and Just like those. a swivel mount kind of thing. You yeah. Know? We've all seen Full Metal Jacket. We know yeah. how that works. Yes, all. <laughs> Come on, man. shoot women and children. Easy. Just you don't, don't lead them so much. much. <laughs> Anyone that runs is a skinny. Anyone who don't run is a well-disciplined skinny. It updated a little bit there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think now would probably be a good time to take our quick break here, and we'll come back and uh, and get into some awful shit that's about to happen. Oh, boy. So as all of this is going on, uh, the, the Delta boys are in taking prisoners, destroying electronics, most of the time with their underslung uh, 12-gauge shotguns that are mounted onto the bottom of their rifles. Yeah. Which, yes, for anybody not familiar with firearms, you can mount a shotgun onto it. You can't mount a fucking chainsaw onto one. No. You remember that? It was like a couple years ago where, you know, somebody released a fucking fake plan on the internet for an undermounted chainsaw, and the government literally wrote a bill to say you can't mount a chainsaw to your AR-15. Yes. Because they don't understand satire. No. But you can put a... Well, because that said same... You know, you could, there's a different attachment, which is either a grenade launcher... Right. You know, or it or it's a shotgun with a... You know, because it has a trigger on it. Yeah. Um, and it's only about a six to eight inch barrel on the shotgun. Yeah. It's not meant for shooting people. It's meant for breaching doors. Yes. Um because it's also, got a slug or something in it. You I think. can use slugs or, or buckshot. Um, in this case, they were loaded up with double op buck and they were taking target practice on computers, which, you know, buckshot will do it. Yeah. So they've got prisoners outside in the courtyard, hemmed up. Vehicles roll up and start loading people for evac. For evac. At this point, it's 3.50, which means five minutes have passed from the time the first set of boots hit the ground. That's pretty goddamn good. Pretty good. You had yeah, one cat. Well, one casualty, a couple dudes lightly wounded. If I guess if you count having the tip of your finger blown off with an by an AK, lightly wounded. Um, and you've got everybody you're after. You're fucking golden. Let's get out of town, right? Episode over. No. <laughs> no, because it's still not over. Because you no. know, it's still not. Uh... Because if they, you weren't paying attention earlier, we already said it's probably another two fucking weeks. Because they still, uh, <laughs> they still haven't got the the people on the thing and right, you know, in the thing, and it's not like in the movie. Just no. want to let you know. So, but the, the the convoy does roll up at this point, and they start loading guys. No, they don't, because they're still stuck in the fucking house. Because they're like, Delta's going, okay, we gotta wait for the word, and then the right. guy well, and McKnight and everybody else is going. Where the fuck are they? Why aren't they coming out? Yeah. They know we're here. Because there was... Delta's going, why aren't they coming in? Tell us we're here. Yeah. There was there was a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of miscommunication throughout it this was whole so, thing. It wasn't really so much... Delta, I guess, I think had a brain fart. 
because they knew that they were supposed once once they, the convoy rolled up, they were supposed to get their asses out you there. You have to remember though, they're still they are also taking fire in this building. Yeah, but they um, knew that they were supposed to actually get their asses out. Right. But, but uh, it's hard to do that when you're being shot at. In one case, one of the Delta guys in the book actually said that he stuck his head out in front of a window to see where the fucking convoy was and took like a series of like 12 to 13 bullets around his head and he hit the ground and he stuck his head back up and there's some fucking teenager in a Delta in a fucking Ranger uniform shooting at him. And he's like, this is why we can't have nice things because these guys don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. They should have just sent us in. We could have done this by ourselves in the middle of the night. We would have taken the seals, we would have taken the PJs, and we would have been back for fucking midnight snacks. Yeah, I mean, but there's also okay, we could so, have been back in time for the fight scene in the movie. Exactly. So I mean, so you got the, you know, all this is fucking happening. But meanwhile, you also have a convoy that's headed back to the fob. Not yet. Yeah, because they're they've already gone with yeah, it's, Blackbird. It's, it's the three. It's three Humvees going back. Yeah, Blackburn, they've already, they've already taken them back. I'll, I'll get to that here in just a second. Um, well, they've already gone with them. Right. Well, yeah, they've, they've left, but I, I had to do it in a specific order. So Sar- uh, Sergeant Jeff Stoker uh, was at the wheel of the lead Humvee that Kevin just mentioned, like the, the, the small Humvee that's headed back. Um, he'd be the uh, this is actually the Humvee that Blackburn is in, is in the lead one. Um, he radios to Danny McKnight, who is the uh, convoy commander letting him know that they've got critical wounded. They need to get back. McKnight's like, fucking take your guys go. Um, so as they're leaving the city, they kind of get turned around because as they were coming into the city behind the convoy, Somalis have come out and built fucking roadblocks with tires everywhere. Yeah. And you can't take time to get out and disassemble these roadblocks because we learned that lesson from the Pakistanis last time. Where they got out like, oh, it's just fucking tires. And they got out to move them and they got their asses handed to them for two and a half hours. And then the Italians came in and handed them their asses as well. Because they fucking fired at the wrong people. <laughs> but keep that in mind, though, Italy's about, about all these, you know, what Kevin's saying is about all these uh, roadblocks. Because yeah. it's going to come back full circle. Yeah. So he knew that basically, like, Stooker knows that. I got to go over a couple of blocks on national. I take a right. I'm on the K four and then I'm, I'm free for home. That's before we run into roadblocks. So one of the Delta medics that's in this, in this, um, uh, in the Humvee with Blackburn. Um, again, it's our same dude holding the IV bag with the window down, shooting people as they're driving by you. you, There has to be somewhere in a fucking military Humvee where you could run a zip tie from the ceiling and hang an IV bag on it. But no, our fucking hero here is like, nah, I got this. And he's just fucking picking dudes off at 20 miles an hour. There's Really, honestly, there really isn't much. Right, but there has to be somewhere. There has to be a bolt that you could have fucking wrapped a zip tie to and run another one down through it and hung a bag on it. <sighs> no. These guys don't I redneck do... shit the way they should. No, I don't believe actually they're... Um... It's been a while. If my car has a thing where I can hang a fucking suit in the back seat, no, they can't can't, like slap a command strip on the inside of one of these. No, no, because it's not really like. I mean, it's been a while since I've actually been in a uh, a Humvee, but I've been in one of my dad. We actually got to drive it out of, uh, and they are unfucking comfortable to ride it. It wasn't bad. Well, actually, we drove it out of the goddamn uh, mall. 
Um, he brought the, me to school in one one day. I got to drive <laughs> out of the mall, down over the curb, fucking don't don't don't. You know, <laughs> it was cold as fuck though. So yeah, because there was that one. Day I will tell a, you, I will say that it was the middle of winter and it was cold as a motherfucker. There's no fucking heat. There's no, no, no There's heat, but, but it's there's like not no that interior. Good. You know. Yeah. Oops. He brought me this because there was a, a week or so that he had one at your house because he was you know going back and forth or whatever, and he's like, I missed the bus. He goes, Fuck it, hop in. We go up our dirt road, and that was the worst ride I've ever had. Because just a bam, 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 fucking broke my tailbone sixteen times up the road. Yeah, but the, the oh the, god, but the humps that were at school. And if you got if because you were at Otter Valley, right? Uh huh. So yeah, so you're going to high school. Yeah, but those those fucking cur- uh, humps that are in the thing, that fucker would have went dum, 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 right yeah, over top of them. The ruts in the road when you're going slow, you're brr, 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 fucking all over the place. It's oh yeah, not fun. Um, so as they're making their way out of the city, uh, Stoker gives orders to the the gunner on the fifty caliber turret. You concentrate fire left. Um, we're gonna have Dominic Pilla, who is our our M60 gunner uh-huh. for the chalk. He's going to concentrate fire right. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I had him backwards. Uh, so the 50 is focusing left. Pill is focusing right. Yeah. Um, if you watch the movie, Dominic Pilla is the guy in the 50. Again, not how it actually happens. Uh, so as the convoy is turning back onto national, uh, Pilla is prepared to start firing and he took a bullet just below the brim of his helmet and killed him instantly. So he is the first KIA in our situation. Um, the guy sitting behind him actually was hit in the face with blood and brain matter and all that shit. Um, and Pilla essentially fell in his lap and he just grabbed him because he's like, oh shit, he's hit. He didn't know where he was hit. Yeah. Um, and then he starts screaming to Stoker. He's like, he's like, Pilla's hit. He's hit. He's hit. And he goes, how bad? And he's like, he's fucking dead. He goes, how do you know? So Stoker is, I've listened to a couple of interviews with him. Very level-headed. He's a born-again Christian. He's a very, yeah. very level-headed, rational kind of person. Yes. He goes, how do you know he's dead? So he, as he's driving, he looks over his shoulder, and he can see that he is clearly dead. Uh, eyes are rolled back in his head. He is fucking bleeding everywhere. He is gone. You know, because at first, Stoker's like, what are you, a medic? All of a sudden, he's like, no. And he looked back and, you know. Yeah. Uh, so at this point in time, he just fucking drops the hammer in there, getting the fuck out of there. Uh, radio's ahead to uh, to HQ. He's like, listen, we're coming in fucking hot and hard. We've got wounded. We've got a casualty. Um, we got a, a man dead. And they're like, okay. So essentially, they get back to the base. They offload Blackburn first because obviously we can still try to do something for him. Todd Blackburn survives this fucking thing. Yeah, they they like the, the medical team is actually waiting for his ass. Yeah, he to he put was, him into surgery like right off. He was in Germany within fourteen hours of falling out of the helicopter. That's oh, yeah, right to Rammstein. Yeah, so they stabilized him and sent him off to an actual field hospital where they're they can work on him. Yeah, uh, but he survived, which I blew my fucking mind. I never would have thought that he would have survived that fall because yeah. he, he landed flat on his back. There was no like getting a hand down or a foot. He just Flat on his back, yeah. just pancaked. Um, they get Pilla out. They rake out the brass and fucking blood and all of that shit. Spray out the Humvees. Couple of other dudes climb in that were there, um, including one guy who was scratched from the mission because he had fucked his arm up and ended up with a, a bacterial infection. And uh, his arm's in a cast. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. We're getting our, our guys are getting killed. I'm going in. 
So yeah. he hops in and they rejoin the convoy later on. Um, so let's jump back to, to Chalk 4 here, uh, where we have another man wounded in the man of Scott Gallantine who took an AK round to the thumb. This one happens in the movie, and it's actually accurate. Because um, he doesn't lose the thumb. It just kind of fucking flops back, and it's hanging by a, a thing. Yeah. Um, the guy that is directly with him um, was like, uh, Scott, you okay? He's like, I got shot in the thumb. It's just very like, I got shot in the thumb, whatever. So he grabs Scott's thumb and folds it down into his palm so that it, so that he can hold it against the, the fucking uh, handguard of his, his M16. And he goes, just hold on to it. Don't lose it. <laughs> because yeah, we might be able to reattach it. Don't fucking lose it. It's like, yeah, just took a fucking 30 caliber around in the hand again. Um, and uh, another dude right next to him is is uh, wounded. Uh, that's Kevin Snodgrass, who had taken a, a ricochet off the ground. Um, basically just popped a couple of little holes in his legs. He was bleeding a little bit, but he's like, probably, he's probably fucking hurt himself worse shaving than that. Yeah. Um, but it didn't slow him down at all. Um, so Delta are getting everybody loaded up, and the gunfire actually kind of starts to die down, um, which is a little weird. And at this point in time, as the gunfire's slowing down, everybody on the ground hears this massive explosion. Okay? Um, and I'm actually going to play some audio here from what happened. Because uh, I did find a five-minute clip of just random radio chatter from what happened. And this is the only one that actually is usable because of what it says and how clearly you can hear it. So it's at this point that uh, Super 6-1, which is one of the Blackhawks, takes a direct hit with an RPG. Um, this is piloted by Cliff Elvis Walcott. Yeah. They called him that because he apparently did a spot-ass on Elvis impression. And uh, <laughs> as sad as it is, it's like, because, you know, of events that are about to take place. Um, if you can find pictures of his helicopter, which you can if you Google them, right directly below the the pilot side window in like almost like race car font, like race car kind of cursive is written velvet Elvis. Um, so when you see at the beginning of the movie, like they're coming back from whatever and they shoot that pig. Yeah. That was Cliff Walcott that was flying. Cause he was the dude that like when Delta went in shit into places and they had a, a needed a black Hawk, he was their pilot. Um, Cause they were pick they were picking up, um, uh, who, who, yeah. Um, but which probably didn't actually happen. I doubt it. Um, he's a real person though. Um, but the cool thing with him was he was, he wasn't just like, uh, like buddies with the pilots. He was buddies with everybody. Fucking everybody love Walcott. So there was more than once where they would go out running like training missions and shit. <laughs> it's, just, it's so fucking funny. Like, so they're flying around and they would like, Basically, they're going on government on like unauthorized fucking safaris and they're shooting like fucking pigs and shit from the air. Yeah. Um, there's one point in time where on one of their missions, they actually land and Walcott got out of the helicopter, borrowed. I believe it was Randy Gordon's M14 and shot a fucking kudu at like 240 yards. 
got everybody back and the bird flew out, picked it up and brought it back and they cooked it. <laughs> so like, um, Garrison, when all of that shit originally happened was fucking furious. They're like, you are wasting resources. You're doing shit without permission. Uh, what the fuck are you thinking? And then he had dinner and everything was cool after that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh shit. So, uh, super six one had been providing, uh, uh, fire support from the air. Um, they had Ray Dowdy on one side, on the left side of the, uh, I'm sorry, on the left side minigun. Um, Charlie Warren is on the right side, and they also have four Delta snipers in the back. Uh, so they're sitting on like uh, ammo cans, but the doors are so wide that where they're sitting, they can still fucking shoot out of the helicopter. Yeah, well, they had, yeah, they had the, so they had Walcott was the pilot. Yep. They had the, uh, uh, crew chief, uh, and uh, Donovan Briley was our or co-pilot, co-pilot, whatever yep. we call him. And then you your, had, then you had uh, your crew chief. So the guys, and, and then the you had guns. two crew chiefs on the miniguns. Yep. So yeah, those two guys, um, and then you had the two snipe Delta snipers. Yeah, right. Yes, uh, four, four Delta snipers. Four. Yes, there was four in this bird. Okay. Um, so as they're as they're flying their circuit, uh, Charlie Warren who's on the right side sees a, he sees a group of guys coming up onto the roof and he calls out and he, go, he says, uh, basically goes, Ray, when we come back around, there's a group of four on the roof. I think one has an RPG. So as they're swinging back around, Ray is trying to get, he's trying to fight the gun around to get there before the helicopter, which he really can't do. Um, these are big fucking birds too. Yeah. And they don't, they don't turn quickly. No. Um, so, Doughty is like now asking, he's like, what roof, what roof are they on? And, uh, as Warren is trying to tell him what building they're on, they get hit. Um, Cliff Walcott realizing that, you know, oh shit, we're hit. We're going in fucking hard. Uh, the last radio, uh, last radio transmission that came from super six one was Cliff Walcott really fucking calm, like surprisingly calm because these pilots don't get rattled quick, like easy. Uh, he just says, Super 6-1, going down. And that was it. Um, the Delta guys on board dove off of the ammo cans to try to find anything they can hold on to. Like, one of the guys was apparently holding on to the, the, the gear in the bottom of the seats yeah. to hold himself in. Um, another dude grabbed onto the mount of one of the miniguns and got his arms through it. Uh, another guy grabbed onto a bunch of fucking hooks and shit in the back that he could hold on to. Um, and the guy that's hanging off of the minigun, as the bird is going down. He slides out. So this thing is spinning, going down in, and he is fucking hanging out of this helicopter. And everybody on the ground can see it. Because as soon as they heard that the explosion, everybody looked up and they're like, oh, fuck, this is not good. Yeah, yeah. So all of these guys on the ground have now stopped firing and they're like watching this happen in real time. Um, and as all of this is going on, Dowdy is trying to get himself into position because they're in the, the mini gunners are on uh, seats that are like mounted into the doors. Um, and as he's feeling around, he realizes that he did not buckle his seatbelt. So uh, on the final approach, the bird clipped the top of a house, uh, flipped sideways and hit nose first on the left hand side. Uh, and it came to a stop. Uh, at this point, the radio chatter on the ground goes absolutely berserk. Because they're like, we got a bird down, 
Does anybody know where it is? Where did it, you know, where did they get hit from? Um, how do we get to it? Like there there's, I have audio of it, but you can't use it because all you hear is static and yelling. There's, you can't yeah. make out fucking one word out of six. Um, so it's a little bit rough to, it's in it. It's to try it, to actually, it's hard to listen to because you can't hear anything. No. Um, so at this point in time, the task force cracks. Uh, they'd kind of gone in with like this superiority and, and vulnerability because they've done this before. Whatever. It, it, yeah, we've taken a couple of guys that have gotten hurt. Not a big deal. Um, but now something like this happens. Um, and General Garrison, who's back at uh, he's back at the 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 talk, which is the operation command. Um, and he's sitting around with the other, some of the other guys from the, uh, the higher ups in the, uh, JOC, which is joint operation command. And they watched this live, like w- lifetime as it happened from the cameras on the command bird, which was another black Hawk that was circling like way, way the fuck higher yeah. than everybody else. Um, so he kind of, his mind starts racing and he first thinks is like, if this thing had been in flames, if it had gone down and exploded, he would have, he said he would have pulled everybody, got everybody the fuck out of there, sent in a second mission that night to recover bodies and try to pick up any survivors. And um, yeah, yeah, take and take it, you know, exploding the, yeah, the, the scuttle, the helicopter. Yeah. Because Cause we don't I mean, want them getting hold of any of the, yeah. I mean, cause they were, they would get everything out and yeah. they've been fine, you know, right. If it hadn't been, the situation of how tight it was, you know, because it, I mean, it fucking, it was so goddamn tight in that where it hit because it hit the, yeah, the building and then poof. And it landed in a, a small courtyard between like three other buildings. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it, tight, like much tighter than what the movie shows. The only thing that actually stopped him from doing exactly that, just pulling everybody out and saying, fuck it, we'll go back and get it later, was the command bird stops and they're hovering directly over the crash with the cameras focused on it. After the smoke clears, you could see guys crawling out of the helicopter. So that one is when he was like, fuck, we yeah. got a problem. Um, yeah. So they did kind of have a plan in place for shit like this happening, um, which is exactly why they have super six one there, which is another black Hawk carrying a CSAR team, which is a, Combat search and rescue. This is your, um, this, th- these are your PJs. These are your, your medics. Um, that like, we're here to help you and also to kill you as they point to the other people. Yeah. Um, so they would basically retake super six, one spot, drop their 15 man team and fucking boogie. So these guys can start processing injured, uh, start securing the scene and, um, try to hold it. While everything happened here. Um, but as soon as they landed, they realized the first thing we have to do is secure the area because before this thing even hit the ground, there was crowds, thousands of Somalis already closing in from basically every direction. Yeah. Um, and again, this is something that we had, they had seen before with that last one that got shot down the, the UN bird where, as soon as it hit the ground, like these guys were like fucking ants just into the helicopter. They did. They stripped everything out. They stole the weapons. They're dragging the, the dead bodies of the, the crew through the streets. 
um, which we don't take kindly to. As no. You, you might know. No, um, no. I mean, nobody. I mean, I don't think anybody would. And the thing is, it's like people will say, well, we didn't actually have to go in there and do this. But you know what? Here's the thing. We wouldn't have done that. You didn't see rangers shooting dudes and fucking dragging them through the streets and celebrating. No. If anything, a lot of these guys that they shot, if they were close enough in, like if these guys were charging them and they shot them, if they had an opportunity to, they would try to save their lives. Like they tried to do fucking first aid on some of these guys that they had just shot that were shooting at them. Yeah. Because they didn't want to kill anybody. They just wanted to go in, get these dickheads who are starving these fucking people to death out of there so that we can question them and go, what the fuck is going on? Why are you guys doing this? Yeah, I mean, and at, at this point, I mean, we had rounded up some pretty hefty uh, names, you know. Yeah, they, they picked up... Uh, they uh, picked up Edo, before, Edo at the... Which, they picked him up, okay. Now, he's not sitting at back at the fucking airfield <laughs> in, a, in a holding... Smoking no. cigars and just fucking shooting no. shit with his feet up on a desk. No, he's actually at a fucking detention center on a fucking island. Yeah. Um, just off the coast, out in the... Yeah. Uh, out in the whatever the fuck see. Um, he's, he's out there with a group of other people, you know? So, it's, it's, you know, a little bit different. Yeah. And... And he's I mean, also pre-pissed off that they're going to give him an earring and make him smoke cigars in the movie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's such a fucking petty thing. <laughs> and and here's here's a, here's a part that's really uh, fucked up is before all this happened. So all this before all this took place, fucking uh, Adid was like, "We don't like how you guys are doing this," and he, like went to the UN and you know whatever else. Like you know, like fucking like bitching about it and yeah. you know, like you, you the Rangers, you know, trying to play. Make it like the Rangers were the uh, the U.S. was the bad like people. Like we're coming in like the fucking Taliban. Yeah. And, we're we're, you know. we're we're the bad people. I mean, and, in all fairness, we did blow up that one building with all the like, and, where they're having the big meeting uh, and kill like seventy two people, well, including a six hundred year old man. Yeah, well, they kind of inflated a little bit or something, you know, according yeah. to them. So, anyway, numbers are between twenty and seventy. So yeah. he he you know. he kind of. Uh, so what does he do? He's all you know, like I gotta talk to somebody. He writes a letter. To Jimmy Carter. Yeah. <laughs> Writes a letter to Jimmy Carter yeah. saying, I ain't got time for can this. You, I'm farming peanuts. Can you bring this to, you know, uh, your President Clinton and so to try to get him to do negotiations or whatever? And Clinton's like, all right, all right, fine. Which, you know. to be honest, he wrote the letter to the right guy because Bill yeah. Clinton was like fucking obsessed with Jimmy Carter. I think it's the Southern, like the Southerner thing where they're like, we don't have a lot of Southern presidents, so we got to stick together. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, also Jimmy Carter wasn't getting blown by every intern in the White House. He was true. just falling down and stuff. True. I mean, but still, he, uh, you know, and, and and he's like, okay, fine, you know, all right. So this guy wants to have peace. You know, of course, meanwhile, you got, uh, what is it, uh, Colonel or General Howard or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's like, he's trying to push... To actually get somebody to fucking do something about He wanted Adid. to sit down with Adid and be yeah. like, how do we solve this? But he really ultimately, because, you know, because then when he finds out after, because he's, he's, meanwhile, this whole thing's going on, he's fucking flying in, 
and doesn't know until he gets to the, <laughs> to the embassy <laughs> yeah. what the fuck's gone down. And yeah. he's like, okay, now he's somebody's like, ruling. Hold the fuck up. Wait, what? <laughs> somebody's really going to listen to me because now what I said about we need to get this guy off the fucking board is what needs to happen. But the problem there is you could have killed Idid a thousand times. There would have been someone to take his place because this was these were like clans. Yeah. If you had killed him, a nephew would have taken over, a brother would have taken over, a cousin would have taken whatever. Yeah. Spoiler alert, eventually his son will take over. You know, the fucking Marine that we spoke about last week. Uh, <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. I am not making that up. I mean, it's just... Because after his father died, he went back to Somalia for the funeral and was like, oh, yeah, I should stay here. And, uh, yeah, he became a politician there. <laughs> politician slash warlord, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call him. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we got the... So all that shit's going on. Now, now the fucking helicopter's down. down yeah. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, so... Then, then we got, you know, okay, well, we got one helicopter down. Okay, we have a hole to fill. Yes. So, so we're, we're, we're getting there. But what happens here is, is like, immediately after Super 6-1 goes down, the command bird kind of, like, picks up some height so they can get a better view, like, a better overall view of the city. Yeah. Because they're the ones that need to find out where this bird is down, and they need to map out a route for the convoy to go there. As they're pulling up, they start to see these giant columns of just thick black smoke all over the place. And they're like, shit, they are burning tires. They're burning tires because the Somalis know that there's another bird up above giving commands. So the more smoke they can get into the air, the more they confuse the situation. Um, so, again, thousands of Somalis are flooding towards the crash site. And they're not just doing that. As they're going... They're stopping places. They're building more roadblocks. In some spots, they're digging trenches across the road to make everything more difficult for the, the Americans to get there. Um, so now was when the command bird calls back to the command center and goes, listen, we need more people out here. And this is when 10th Mountain gets there. They're like, you know, hey, uh, you guys busy? He fold up the ping pong table. You guys got we, we got to send you. Um, well, yeah, but they're but they're like, okay, well, hold on, you know. Yeah. I mean, we want they, you ready. Well, they get they get the okay, they get brought the the general. He gets brought in and kind of is told somewhat what's going on, right? But not the full details. Yeah, basically um, told uh, you may want to get your guys ready. We might need your help. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> I mean, we will go. F we'll, we'll explain further as soon as we decide whether we actually need your help or not. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the guys of Chalk 2 got a really good look at where Walcott had crashed. Um, didn't see directly where it was, but they have a good idea as to where it is. Because if you want to consult our maps here, yeah, uh, he crashed like maybe three blocks from on this map here, because that's got crash site one. He crashed maybe like three blocks from the target building, but from where they were. They got a good look as to where um, most of the guys want to rush over. Um, Sean Nelson being the one that speaks up. That's like, we got to go. And, you know, Lieutenant D. Tommaso is like, listen, we're going to, we're going to chill. We're going to wait for orders. Don't 
don't do anything stupid. And Nelson and him are fucking screaming at each other at this point in time. And I was telling you off air, he could have got his ass in a lot of trouble if they weren't in a bad situation because he basically tells him to go fuck himself, gathers up a bunch of these other dudes that want to go and they start to take off. They don't get like 10 yards down the road before DiTomaso gets word like from, uh, from Captain Steele and he just goes, go take as many guys as you can. I want people left here so that we're not leaving the corner unsecure. Send half of your, send half of your chalk to go find him. But the problem and see, the thing is, is, is the, is some of these guys were more experienced than, than D Tommaso. Right. Because I mean, so I can understand what their, their frustration is. I mean, cause my, my brother had the same thing when he was in Afghanistan. Yeah. He basically told the, you know, Lieutenant go fuck himself, you know, you know, or he, if he didn't do shit, he was going to fucking shoot himself. You know, he didn't really care. Yeah. Um, because it's, you have these guys that have been fucking grunts, boots on the ground for years. And then a lieutenant comes in. Who because, doesn't know shit. Because he went to college. He's a lieutenant. Not taking anything away from him. He, he seems like a good dude, but he was just locked into that chain of command where we can't do anything until we're told we can. Which is, I mean, what a good leader is supposed to, they're right. supposed to, you know, wait, you know, you don't want to rush into something to get everybody fucking killed. Exactly. You know. Um, so. He's just all, and, and Nelson's just all fucking gung-ho. You know, you know, more, it's a concern state of like, oh shit, you know, fucking, I probably know some of those guys, you know. And and to be honest with you, watching the, the interviews with him, dude looked like he, like he wanted to, like he liked to fight. Yeah. I mean, he, he was like, if you're an M60 gunner, you're generally not going to be a slight little fucking like waif of a person. He was jacked to the fucking tits because like, <laughs> the M60 is not a light weapon. No, it's, you know, 35, 40 pounds. And then you got ammo in it in a backpack full of fucking ammo. He was fucking rugged looking. And he was like, I want to fucking fight. And they end up sending eight Rangers, including D Tommaso, deciding to go. If, if you guys are going, I'm going with you. Um, these guys that are holding the position don't need me. We need to have someone at the site that has a little bit of kind of like a little bit of sway that can get shit going over a fucking, a Sergeant who's just like, yeah, we got here. What do we do now? Yeah. Um, I mean, and Eversman's actually platoon his, his squad chalk, whatever was actually the closest to the chop to the crash right. site. And they still didn't get there first though. Cause chalk two was like, fuck that. We're gone. Yeah. Um, so as they're running to the crash site, they are taking some heavy, but really, really inaccurate fire from parallel streets. Um, a lot of the guys that ran to it said that every time you ran through a building, you couldn't see the street on the other side. Cause there was so many people. Yeah. There's thousands of people. And as they're running, like the Somalis would see him and just fucking, you know, start popping off shots. These guys would stop, kneel, aim, and fire, and they yeah. are they are they are inflicting some heavy casualties. And I think the uh, the the guys that were left behind, the movie had it right, except had for it Nelson backwards. Yeah, because they they left Nelson and the uh, the saw gunner, which was not how it actually happened. No, uh, which was the guy that they left. No, one of the other guys that actually that one that got slipped. Um, out and then his dad, the kid shot his dad. Yeah. He actually was left behind. Yeah. I can't remember his fucking uh, name. I believe that was Othic, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, Othic was, 
No, it was, oh, I can't. I can't. It doesn't matter. That's yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a difference. Um, so they turn the corner, and as they turn this corner, they can see the crash site. It's still it's about three blocks straight in front of them. Um, and as they're running towards it, they hear uh, you know they hear a helicopter flying by, and it, it sounds low. So like that's probably not a Blackhawk. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bird lands in the intersection two streets up in front of them. So they're like, okay, cool. The pilot of the little bird, because you have the pilot got out on one side, the co-pilot got out on the other. The pilot got out with his MP5 and drew a bead on fucking Lieutenant DiTomaso and almost shot him because they had no idea who these guys were running towards it. And like he's like, I almost killed him, and I would have felt really bad. So the uh, Chalk 2 gets there, um, and as, like as they're running up still, the pilot and co-pilot are outside fighting. Uh, the pilot's got his MP5. Co-pilot's out with a 1911, and they are dropping people that are running towards this helicopter. Um, there's a couple, There's a scene in the movie where, where like the door of one of these little birds opens up. This guy gets one foot on the ground, just like fucking whack, 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 and just starts shooting people. That actually happened. This guy barely got out of the helicopter before he was shooting people. Yeah. Um, so um, they kind of they, they get their bearings so that they can kind of get a visual of what's going on around them. Um, and they find two injured men, including Delta operator Jim Smith, who was our boy that was hanging out of the Blackhawk on its way down. Um, he was not badly hurt enough that he couldn't move. He ran to the black to the, to the little bird and was like, listen, uh, the bird, obviously the bird's down. I don't know where so-and-so is. Um, we've got another guy injured over here. Um, Cliff and Briley are both dead in the, in the bird. And pretty much anybody that saw how it hit knew that they were dead on impact because yeah. it hit so hard on such an angle that there was no way that they could have survived it. The whiplash no. alone would have killed them. Um, so the other guy that was injured was Staff Sergeant Dan Bush. Um who was one of the other, uh, the Delta guys, this motherfucker went down swinging. He survived the crash, dragged himself out, realized that he didn't have, he didn't even have his sidearm with him. Cause he had hit so hard that everything just kind of fucking went kerfluey. Um, went back into the helicopter, dragged out a saw, which is a squad automatic weapon, which is a big smaller ass. version of the M60. Yeah. It's, it's the more, it's the what they mostly use that's what they use now because yeah. because you can it's more it's, maneuverable yeah because they don't want to use the pig anymore yeah. as they, as they refer to the M60 um so when they found him he was slumped back like with his back against a wall uh with just brass casings all over the ground in front of him and approximately 12 dead somalis near him he went down with he didn't go down without a fight no um unfortunately he was not injured severely during the crash um but he had taken a bullet just below hit the belly plate in his armor um which it it didn't kill him instantly he he was in a lot of pain for a long time but he fought he fucking fought through it um so they get him loaded into the bird as well and as all of this is going on the convoy is kind of starting to get on the move a little bit um and but instead of heading back to the airfield like they had originally been planning to do they're now trying to get to the crash site. Um, and as they're moving around, Super 6-4, which is Mike Durant's bird, comes back in. 
uh, after receiving orders to take up uh, Walcott's position for Overwatch. Fun fact, Mike Durant is from uh, Berlin, New Hampshire, which is about three hours from here. So, um, mm-hmm. so we've got, <laughs> we've got a guy that's not too far from us. And we've also got a guy that's not too far from our secret helper. Um, and they're going to meet here shortly. Um, so the SOAR team is now, uh, you know, they've had the opportunity to, to get in. Um, and just because of how the bird landed, they really couldn't do much to get Walcott and Briley out of it in a quick fashion. Um, no, they are essentially going to need like the jaws of life to open this helicopter up to get their bodies out. Um, but they're not leaving them there because no. that's not how we do shit. No, no, no. Um, especially not after the whole debacle with all the shit that happened with the UN. But I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're fucking there, but you know, they, they know that, well, if they we can't need, get them out, they can't get them. Out. We need more help to come along Yeah. to, cover what the fuck we're doing yes um you have to to dismantle this motherfucking bird yeah to get people the fuck out and you're, you're right you have to prioritize you have to go what's more important protecting ourselves at this point in time or potentially setting our weapons down to try to get him out and getting shot yeah you have to compartmentalize shit and go okay this is what i have to do first then we can come back. As much as it sucks to not be able to do this right now, we have to obviously do the other thing. I mean, you know, they're, they're so I mean, you know, this is where everybody else, all the other elements start to, okay, let's do the whole jostle. You know, okay, you, you guys are going up. All right, well, we need, now we need you guys to go yeah. up. Oh, we also need, now we need, okay, well, fuck. All right, well, we're not fucking headed back to the, to the, to the fucking barn. We're going to go up to there now with, with our fucking, with our cargo. There, there was a Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got, everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the face. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened here. We had all these, all these different contingency plans and you know, what happens if they ha- this happens, then if this happens, we'll do this. If this happens, we'll do that. There's, there was no contingency plan to like, what the fuck do we do like this? So, as as the convoy's moving, they're actually stop. Holy shit, my computer is touchscreen. Wow. I've had this thing for a couple months, just realized my laptop is touchscreen. That's interesting. So as the convoy's moving, they're picking up rangers along the way that they can. And as they're riding along, uh, Colonel Danny McKnight radios in. Uh, this is Uniform 6-4. I'm ready for exfil. I'm loaded, with, uh, I'm loaded with everything I can get here, and I'm ready to move to the crash site. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Gary Howell, uh, Harrell, who is the Delta commander, who is in the command bird, um, responds, the streets are fairly clear. We've been getting reports of sniper fire from the north of the crash site. Take a right out of there and head south to the crash site. So this should have been a fairly navigable, easy trip. It's two blocks north, three blocks east. And the command bird is like, hey, we're, we'll give you, obviously, directions as we're going. Yeah. Unfortunately, the command bird can't see all the other roadblocks that are there that aren't on fire. They can only really see the ones that are burning. Mm-hmm. So you can't see these other ones that are blocking these smaller roads because of all the shit going on. You yeah. can't see them and they're not burning, no. which is a dead fucking giveaway. Um, so Mike Durant is hovering a tight pattern covering the uh, the target building uh, and the Olympic Hotel. So he's kind of flying around in the general area of there. Him and... Uh... 
um, uh, uh, Super Six Six, which yeah. was the uh, the CSAR bird, which is which is um, oh fuck, what's his name? Uh, uh, that is I can't think. I've of his got name. his name right here. Um, Mike Gafina. Yeah, Gafina. Yep. Yeah, because Gafina and him are, you know, they're basically like, switching positions almost constantly just you know keeping moving yeah because i mean one one saw fucking something you know Gaf- he's like gafina saw something yeah and, and fucking you know durant's like I, I don't see what the fuck you're talking about you know all i, all I could see was fucking sky you yeah. know and mike durant at this point in time is fucking pissed because him and cliff walcott were like really good friends they came up through pilot school together um They'd been in Somalia together for months. They were they were good buddies. Um, yeah. Like at the beginning of the movie where they're flying like back towards each other. Uh-huh. And they, they do the whole like, you know, ah, switch to whatever. Yeah. And they were like bitching at each other over Scrabble. Don't touch, uh, don't touch my, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Don't touch my tiles. Let's make it night start. Yeah. That was a real thing. Like they, they were they were good buddies. Um, so he's fucking pissed because he knows at this point in time, one of my best friends is dead. And I'm, I'm not fucking happy with this. And the thing is, is actually... Uh, uh, you learn is that they actually practice over and over these crashes. Yeah. Learn how to do, and and you don't, I guess they don't uh, learn how to crash in tight quarters. They learn how to crash safely. Yeah. They didn't learn Um, how to crash, you know, in, in, you know, we're amongst a, 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 a city building. Yeah. In a city where there's a fucking ton of buildings. And the, the sad part is, Usually, when they did those those crash those like the the test crashes where they were have like they would when it was more training for the guys inside as to how to land safely, most of the time the guy that was flying those test crashes was Cliff Walcott because he was so fucking good at it. Like, <laughs> so it's like it's like yeah he he if he had been in a different situation if there wasn't a building there he would have landed that motherfucker just like and they would have been fine. I mean Durant, you know, was was amongst all those. You know, he 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 was doing that too. He yeah. was, you know, he was you know mid trainings and everything else, and that's when he got the fucking calls like, "Hey, I gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> the thing with Durant is, when he got the call, he was at home. <laughs> no, well, no, he wasn't at home. He was uh, going to going. He was on base or whatever. Got the call. He got the orders, and then he was, he had to go home. Because he was supposed to do uh, his son's like, birthday party. They were supposed to actually have like yep. re- they're rebuilding their house, and his parents were actually showing up <laughs> to help that fucking weekend to work to help at the house. Yeah. And he's like, like "Yeah, yeah." So um, called his parents up, and <laughs> you know, hey, I can't do this. Wife helped them fucking pack, and yeah, you know, boop off the fucking small. He went. He couldn't tell her anything else. Yeah. You can't. He's like, he, he couldn't even really tell her where he was going. He just said, you know, basically got to tell her, uh, I got called up. I got to go. Yeah. Because you know, you can't tell people. Yeah. You got, you got, you got your orders, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't tell anything about that. Um, so, I mean, uh, where the fuck was I here? Um, isn't this about the point where like steals like, Hey, chalk four, you're fucking close. Get the fuck there. Yeah. So chalk four make starts making their way there too. Um, but what we're where we're going here is as he took up Walcott's spot in the air, he's looking down through the uh, the bubble like down by his feet because there's the, the whole front of those things is is uh, essentially bulletproof like uh, like plexiglass almost so you can see down through them. So he could see all of these dudes 
running towards the crash site, like all of his guys, and he knew which ones were his because they're the ones that are stopping, kneeling, firing accurately, and then he can just see the fucking wave of Somalis like the next street over from him. And he's like, at this point, he said he was he was super fucking nervous. He's like, I just hoped that my guys got there before they did. Remember, it's not bulletproof. It's bullet resistant. Bullet resistant, sure, exactly. Because a fucking round will go through that. Yes. So, while all this is going on... uh Super 6-6, which is the CSAR bird, um, they took a glancing blow from an RPG. So there was no explosion. It was more just the the impact, like the bump of it. And they're like, oh, fuck, we got hit. <laughs> the pilot's like, that was weird. I, I've never been, you know, whatever, no big deal. So the Blackhawk that dropped the CSAR team is now getting back into Overwatch when they were, when they were hit. And every, like, all of the pilots, like, all of these guys that are in the air knew about that UN bird that got shot down, and they all considered it, quote, a lucky shot that somebody took one down with an RPG. Um, and that's because the idea of firing an RPG from the ground into the sky is damn near suicidal. Because of the backblast from the back of the tube, there's so much, like, superheated gas that if somebody is walking behind you when you fire one off, if they're directly behind it when it goes off, it'll kill them. And, I mean, we've both seen videos of that happening, like, mostly in Syria or wherever. Yeah. Um, what they so, don't know is... <laughs> but So when you angle it up, <laughs> the tube is pointed d- back down behind you. And it's still superheated fucking gas. So if you aim it too high, you can blow yourself up like a dickhead. Um, and when you fire them into the air, they only travel about a thousand feet. And they don't always explode because when they hit, they have to hit right on the nose because that's where the trigger mechanism is in the grenade. It's not like fucking Call of Duty where you can just fire one off down the street and it'll go so far and blow up. They're not fucking timed. They're not, you know, they don't have a distance detonator in them. It's a goddamn grenade that's being fired out of a thing that's a dud until it hits something. Yeah. Um, Well, not in this case. Yeah, not in this case because... Um, as the RPGs traveling, they, uh, one of the guys says, Hey, look, that guy fired. He's right over there. So with the, the giant GE engine roaring over his head and the fucking constant chatter, Durant couldn't tell where the shot had come from. Cause I mean, they're also taking small arms fire. They're getting fucking rounds pinging off the side of this thing. So that's, a, that's a little noisy too. Um, so he's flying as he's flying his circuit. He's also changing airspeed and altitude, trying to make himself harder to hit. Um, and on his fifth circuit, he felt a bump. He said it felt like he hit a speed bump in his car, but it was in the air. And obviously there's no speed bumps in the air. No. Um, Mike Gafina, who is the pilot of super six two, uh, saw the impact and, uh, he saw a large chunk of the tail rotor just kind of fucking peer, flop off. Um, and Gafina radios, he says, 6-4, are you okay? And direct response, just cool as a fucking cucumber. I'm good. We got hit. I'm fine. Um, Gafina's like, you're, you're losing a lot of fluid. You might want to head back. He's like, okay. So he gets permission from the command bird to fly back home and land safely. So again, yeah, he, he got hit, but nothing seemed out of the ordinary at this point. All of his instruments are good. Readings are good. Nobody's hurt. This is the best case scenario for being hit with a goddamn RPG. You can limp this bitch home and be fine because that tail, uh, the tail rotor, they are designed to to run for quite a substantial amount of time with no fluid before it just seizes up. 
Uh, not like your car where if you take the fluid yeah. out of the fucking axles and drive it 100 miles, it's going to, you know, detonate. Um, so he starts heading back. Um, and Gafina follows him just kind of like as an escort for about a mile. And Gafina's like, hey, yo, you good to head back? And Durant's like, yeah, I'm fine. Gafina starts to turn his bird. And as he de- as he does, he sees the entire tail rotor of Super 6-4 blur and just vanish. At this point in time, the tail rotor has completely left the helicopter. And your tail rotor on a helicopter is what controls your left and right. Your yep. top rotor controls your up and down. So he has no steering. Uh, Durant and his co-pilot, Ray Frank, fought this behemoth of a, a helicopter, trying to keep it airborne long enough to land safely. They're flying through. The bird's shuddering and shaking. It's dying at this point. The last thing Mike Durant said over the radio before impact was going in hard, going down, and then that you can hear him yell for Ray, who's his co-pilot. Be it the angle they came in on, something they did in the cockpit or a fucking active nature, a supernatural hand from wherever. Uh, as the birds coming in nose first, it gets uh, about 40 feet off the ground and it noses back up and it lands belly first and kind of rolls and ends up landing pretty flat. It lands hard, but flat and flat is good because flat gives your crew a better chance of surviving. And what Durant was actually planning on doing because he's like okay i think i might go down okay looking where can i land where can i land this sucker safely yeah and he actually had a landing spot to land and he wasn't too far from it you know he ended up not too far from it was actually like it's supposed to have been like a it was supposed to be like a um it was basically uh, like, like a, a field like a yeah a center like used to, but it was like full of shit now yeah and he was, was going to land there because if he couldn't make it back, that was a spot where he could land it. Right. And then fucking everything Basically went landed shit. in like a, a small landfill almost yeah. from the looks of and it. And then that's when the fucking tail rotor fucking blew the fuck off. Yeah. And he's like, yep, okay, I'm done. Uh, you know, and they went down. They went fucking down. Pretty rough. Yeah, but they again, they landed flat, which is a, a godsend because that's how you want to land. Um so at this point in time, we have two Black Hawks shot down. The majority of the crew in the first crash site is dead. The rest are wounded and being evacuated. The status of the second crashed crew is unknown. The convoy is headed for the first crash, and they get turned around and lost in this maze of blocked off streets. And I think right there is going to be a good spot to to uh, leave off this week, and we'll come back with some more stuff next week. Um, yeah, this is where you thought this was the bad part. It gets way worse from here. Uh, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be episode two of this. So episode 200 B it's going to be C and D. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> cause, Hold. This, cause <laughs> there, there, there's a lot more to this whole, you know, previous there's a, you know, up to the, getting to the crash. And sites. the thing is, is I left out so many details because I couldn't put it all in. Because like, this would be, we could just do an entire show just about this event. Because there was so much that actually happened, like the behind the scenes shit, all the weird stuff that's going on on the ground. It, it, it's yeah. There's like you huge. know, there's a whole but like it takes a lot longer than expected to get everybody to oh, crash site one. Fucking a, doesn't it? You know, it's not like you know, it's not like the fucking movie. Everybody, it's not definitely not like the movie. Yeah, because in the movie, it makes it look like they landed on opposite sides of the city. 
They actually didn't. They didn't. They landed within like 20 blocks of each other. They were like across an intersection from each other, basically. And and, and who, who, you know, and I'm going to tell you this. Spoiler alert. Who you think gets to the fucking crash site is not to crash site 2. No. Isn't who gets to crash site 2. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, someone else that gets to crash site 2. Well, with a lot with others, with with part of who you think, yeah, who, who in the movie gets it kind of right, kind of right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next week's gonna fucking suck because there's two people involved that belo- that deserve their own episode for the bat shittery that they were about to do. Um, but yeah, I and, guess that, and that, then, yeah, know, it just takes off from there. <clears throat> Tenth Mountain becomes involved. The Pakistanis become involved. Uh, the uh, fuck, who is it? Uh, Malaysians. Malaysians become involved. Yeah. Is, uh, the Israelis want to become involved? No, uh, no, sorry. The Italians want to be involved. We've already seen what um, the Italians did once here. But they <laughs> we'll said, leave "Nah, them the fuck out." No, they want to be involved because they had tanks. Uh, Israelis want to be involved because they did they, enough damage with a fucking helicopter. We don't need Italians behind the wheel of a tank. They wanted to be involved because they had armor yeah. and they were like, nah, we don't really need you. I think we got this. We and, probably should have sent them in. Well, but we're going to, it's going to, it's going to get, it's, it's, it's a little bit interesting. It's going to get fucking hairy from here on out. But yeah. with that being said, that's the end of the episode. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Look, so yeah, go uh, if you want a pair of headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, look no further than studio.com. Go check them out. Also, this is that point where I tell you to go do all your social media stuff, folks. Just, uh, you know, that we have, you know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, and also, you can find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash darkwindowspodcast. You can find us on there. Uh, we upload weekly yeah that might change just to let you know i don't know we, never know we, we got some ideas going on um that might change a little bit because you know for so, the better you're not gonna lose anything no i mean you make so, gain someone no. someone also has a little someone coming you know yeah. so that might change a little bit but, but not too much yeah um but for five dollars a week um, five bucks a month a month month i'm sorry yeah a month you can uh you get a bonus episode bonus episode week. i mean it's for not now. always you know uh, what we're covering, or it could be what we're covering. Never know. But you, usually, um, it's a badass topic that we just couldn't find enough for a full episode on. And then, uh, so yeah, do that. You get that extra one comes out usually on about Sunday when we release yeah. that. And uh, yeah, also, um, you can email us. That's one thing we always forget. You can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail dot com. Yes, if you have any ideas or anything. But also, listen, we're still – I'm going to harp on this. Keep harping. He can't even play the harp. I can't. But I want you guys to email us or message us with anything that's kind of like crazy things that happen to you, be it paranormal you know, or anything like that. Any kind of paranormal – Anything crazy related re- to the show. That's that's kind of a strange, you know, that happened. Yeah. Um, did you go to school yeah, with someone that turned you, out to be a serial killer? We want to know about him. Yeah. Um, or if you had, you know, someone you know had something happen. Yeah. You know, just and if they want to share it, you know, let us know. Yeah. And uh, 
We can share it. You can share it with us. And then if you do, they don't want to have their names named, yeah. we won't do that. Just have to tell us whatever. So just you know, email us or message us directly. You know, because you know you know who we are by now. Yeah. Did you know, your I, Did your grandfather get a raccoon stuck in his ass in the woods once? I want to hear that story. It's not It's not relevant, but I still want to hear. Nah, it. I don't want to hear about it. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you can message Kevin about that. We're not. T- we're I'll on, read that shit on the air too. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, <laughs> as much as he yeah. wants to, we're not going to. My great. My papa was out hunting one time and a raccoon climbed up his ass. Yeah. Well, let's fucking hear it. I want to. <laughs> With that being said, just because you can't see out of the dark. That doesn't mean the dark can't see into you or some shit like that. Whatever. Yes. 201 episodes, motherfucker. You nailed Woo! it. We're not yeah. Two, no, no, no. It's not 201. It's 200 and B. Well, technically it's 201, <laughs> but whatever. Well done, sir. Uh, yes. Guys, he's learning. He's adapting. I'm, I'm fucking impressed. No, I'm just tired. <laughs> My heart swells with pride. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Proud Papa. Later, dickheads. See ya, bye. <laughs> Thank you.